Welcome to this podcast of sermons at CUNY United Methodist Church. I'm reading, reading from Acts of the Apostles, the second chapter. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship to break the bread and to pray. Everyone was filled with awe and at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All of the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The word of the Lord. The Camino de Santiago is a pilgrimage in Spain. It's in the northern part of Spain, and it dates to the... um, Oh, I forgot my pointer. Okay, it dates to the uh, 9th century... Um, And it's a pilgrimage to the Shrine of St. James at the Cathedral of Santiago de Compostela. Um, And it is is walked by hundreds of thousands today. Um, It's probably the most well-known pilgrimage. And all pilgrimages are about spiritual journey. It's a journey, a physical journey, but it's also a spiritual journey where we go to encounter God to let God speak to us on the way, um, sometimes for repentance and to, to, um, for spiritual growth. Pastor Duane at Cathedral of the Rockies recently did a Camino, and he's actually uh, leading a group on the Camino uh, this summer, although I think he said they're doing it where you don't carry your packs, you have them um, shuttled for you, so I don't know if that counts as a Camino. <laughs> I bet some would argue it sure does. (laughs) Um, And I'm sure there's an option to carry your own pack. A pilgrimage is like a moving retreat where we move outside of our uh, comfort zone, outside of our usual ways of doing things, to find God in the unexpected, to let God find us in the unexpected. And it requires attention. So part of pilgrimage, part of retreat, is letting go of your comfort zone, of the ordinary things that you do, so that you have attention, you have ability to hear when God uh, comes to meet you. So I went to Spain, as you know. I did not walk the Camino, and yet I went looking for spiritual pilgrimage. I went looking for... Um, for God in the unexpected. I went without my family, which means I had a lot more attention to pay attention to what was going on around me. I went to a place I had never been before with people who did not, who spoke a different language from me, from a, with a different culture. And I was hoping that God would find me in the unexpected. I wanted an immersion experience. 
And, and I wanted to experience something different from my own life. I spent the last year actually reading about Spain. I've studied Spanish my whole life, and I'm still just barely competent. I don't, I don't even know if I can rise to that level. And immersion is different than visiting. When you visit, you observe. When you immerse, you join. And I wanted that immersion experience. So I started in Barcelona. Um, Barcelona is on the eastern part of Spain. It's right on the coast of the Mediterranean. And as we flew in, I laid eyes on the Mediterranean for the first time in my life. And having heard stories about the Mediterranean my whole life, it was really meaningful for me to see it. And it looked like any other sea I've ever seen. <laughs> we stayed in Barcelona, um, in the old part of the city. The old part of the city is pedestrian. There's no cars allowed other than, you know, like police and stuff. Um, the streets are curved, curvy. They are all paved with pavers. Um, the buildings go four, five feet stories high, so the streets kind of feel like tunnels. And the Spanish have a different daily rhythm. So I'd read about this. No, thanks. I was offered a pointer, but the map is gone. So you might, if you don't know where Barcelona is and you couldn't see it, we'll show you later and I'll use a pointer. Um, the Spanish have a different daily rhythm. So they have breakfast, but then they have their big meal about 2 o'clock, their big meal with their family. They might have a snack about 5, and then we would call it dinner at 8 or 9. I would call it evening snack. So it's, very, it's not large. So I, you know, wanted to immerse and join into this, into this rhythm of life. I, that was, I mean, I'm used to eating. So eating was something I was familiar with. You do it at a different time. That was okay. But there was something in Spanish life that does not exist in my life. And that is the paseo, which is an evening walk. Everyone goes out for an evening walk about 7 o'clock, all generations. And they go out to just stroll and run into each other. So that was a new thing, the 7 or 8 o'clock, and it was true. So this picture here was taken in the morning at 9 o'clock at night. Uh-oh. Oh, wait. At 9 o'clock at night, this, was, this street was full of people. People out just strolling with strollers with their little kids and old people with their canes and young people, and they strolled. So even with my hurt knees, I had to slow myself down to meet their pace. I'm used to walking, you know, out on the CUNA Greenbelt, and I'm going for a certain number of steps, or I'm walking downtown and I'm going somewhere. These folks were not going somewhere. They were strolling. They were just having the experience. They were just running into people, and that was different. It felt weird to me to go out at 8, 9 o'clock at night and find the streets full of people, but I did it. Well, one of the evenings I went out, um, a band had set up in a square not very far away, and people were dancing literally in the street. So I took a video. It's not very good, but take a look.
hear the, you can't hear the band playing, but you can see people dancing. So if it's not clear, there are, like, there's steps to this dance. And they did different songs, and there were different steps, but there's nothing about it that's complicated. It was pretty easy to learn. Some people really knew what they were doing, and others didn't. There was a young guy, um, looked like a teenager or, you know, young, young adult, um, who had castanets, and that guy knew what he was doing. He knew the dances, and he had the castanets going. And some people really did not know the steps very well, and they were kind of watching and, you know, trying to figure it out as they went. The thing you couldn't see in this video, so I was taking the video, you know, in front of me, over here, because the people dancing went all the way around, over here was more middle-aged people, some gray heads, they weren't jumping quite as high, but it was the same dance, and they were there. I stayed quite a while just leaning on the fence, and what I noticed was people were smiling, and they were having a good time, and the people who knew how to dance, they, they were having a good time, and the people who didn't were smiling and laughing and figuring it out, and I felt like I would have been welcome to join them. There was, strangers were perfectly welcome, and if my knees weren't nasty, I would have had that immersion experience. And you know, as I watched them, and I thought about what it would be like for me to join, I thought, you know, I don't even have to have the same language. There's no agreement required. The only thing necessary for me to join them dancing is for me to join. Just join. And I thought... How amazing it must be to be a young person in Barcelona who can walk outside on an evening, I think it was a weekend evening, and literally join folks dancing in the street. I assume those dances were Catalan dances. Barcelona's in the Catalonia region of Spain. Um, and, and just doing those dances, it binds you to your heritage. It connects you with people before you and after you. But it also just is part of the community, and it's just fun. It's just having a good time together and belonging, belonging simply by moving. And then as I walked back, I thought, nothing like that really exists for young people here. Not for, there's no place where teens and young adults and middle-aged and elderly all get together and just belong, and just hang out and have fun together. We have no paseo. We have no evening walk where we're going out just to run into people, just to wander around and to dance together. The Surgeon General of the United States has issued an advisory of the epidemic of isolation and loneliness in our country. We are created for connection. God created us for connection, and we suffer without it. And yet, because we've been formed in a society that doesn't really value that, we think, well, maybe when we have troubles, I just need to focus more on self-care. Self-care is good, but it does not make up for lack of connection. In fact, for several decades, many decades now, we've been awash in advertising messages which tell us our primary role is to be a consumer and our secondary role is to be a producer. 
And socializing has to fit into that model of consuming. And if just getting together to hang out, it just doesn't fit into that model. And so we tend not to value it that much. But we are in an epidemic of isolation and loneliness. We are created for connection, and we suffer without it. In the creation story in Genesis, when God created the heavens and the earth and lit the stars on fire and breathed life onto the earth, God created Adam, and God said it is not good for Adam to be alone. Adam needs a partner. Adam needs a family. Adam needs a community. I can feel in myself how much I need connection and community, and that's probably part of the reason why this dancing thing in Barcelona grabbed me so hard. I thought, look at these people just enjoying themselves together, and they all have a sense of belonging without anything terribly organized. It was just people were free to just walk up and join. I want some place where it's that easy to belong. In the ancient world, the world that um, those first people would have heard, that Acts of the Apostles that we heard from Merlin, that was a world where your primary place of belonging was your tribe, or we would call it your nation, or your ethnicity. You belonged because you were born into it. So you belonged because you were born into it. That's where you learned your language. And your primary role was member of a tribe. So that reading from Acts, that message, what happened there, there's something shocking that we don't hear. Peter had been preaching to a crowd who heard in their own language. There were lots of languages there. That means there were lots of people from different tribes. They'd been grazed with different families and had different languages And they came together. They heard one sermon, and they were ready to join this new community. Would you read these holy words with me? Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. They devoted themselves. It was different than how we often think about devoting ourselves to church, which for a lot of people means, you know, sitting in a pew occasionally. This was a very different kind of devotion. This was, we're told the people were together, and they shared everything in common, and they met together every day, and they broke bread together, and they ate together, and they praised God together and it was noticed by others. In this act of choosing to follow Christ, it was a a life shift. For these folks, they were going from their primary role as member of a tribe to their primary role as Jesus follower, what we would call disciple. And it was a huge shift. It would have been as if I joined that dancing in Barcelona and said, this is it. I'm moving, I'm learning Catalan, I'm joining these people, I'm going to work here and be part of this community. It was that big of a shift for them. And their whole lives changed. Community was different. And then we hear in Acts 2.42, which was read to us, 
Those four marks of the church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which we call the New Testament, the Gospels, the letters. They devoted themselves to fellowship, to being together. They devoted themselves to breaking of bread, the communion, Eucharist. And they devoted themselves to prayer, private prayer and prayer together in community. And remember how it happened. They heard one sermon. They wanted to be baptized, and they were accepted. Now, I think the truth is, God had been at work in these folks for a while, because I don't care how good a preacher you are, one sermon is not going to do the trick. You know what I'm saying? You don't hear one sermon and go, oh, I'm in. God's been at work for a while in these folks. So I wonder, you know, this this. This sermon that, that Peter gave, it was shortly after the death and resurrection of Christ. How many of these folks had actually seen Jesus work a miracle? And at the time went, hmm, oh well. Dismissed it. But there it was. How many of these folks had heard stories about Jesus? How many of these folks had God made discontent? Have you ever felt that discontent Things are just not right. They're just, you're just not fulfilled. And then something happens. You hear something, and there's the connection. Peter preached a sermon, and there was the connection with God. They heard about Jesus, and there was that connection. They heard about Jesus. Their hearts were on fire to connect to Christ and they joined the community. And notice in that process, there was no checking their theology, making sure that their belief was right. There was actually no checking of their morality or their behavior. They just were accepted. The only thing necessary was hunger for Christ. And then they went about building the church, building this new community. I wonder if it was difficult for them. I mean, I know in, for myself, whenever I've been part of communities, there's always rough edges. We have people speaking different languages, you know, coming from different cultural places. I wonder if it was a struggle for them. I wonder if they had dancing. We know they sang because we have hymns sent, uh, passed down all these centuries. What brought them together was just hunger for Christ and acceptance. Over the years, the church has changed, or at least the American church has. Ryan Burge described the American church this way. He said, religion has become part and parcel of people who have done everything right. And by that, I mean college-educated, middle-class income, married with children. In the American church, the pathway for a long time was behave, you know, do things right, everything right, like Ryan Burge said. Believe, accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and then belong. Then you are accepted into the community. You are accepted into the community of the saved, of the sanctified. But in Acts, that is not the way it worked. In Acts, it actually started with belonging. 
You're hungry for Christ? You belong. This is, this is for you. And then now come hear the apostles' teaching. Come, come join the fellowship. Come pray. Come eat together. Believe. First belong, then believe. And then you become the disciple who makes disciples and forms others in Christian life. The Christian church in this country is going through huge shifts and changes right now. And I think one of them is a shift from that old model of behaving, leading to belonging, to more of a model like Acts was. You belong first, and then you work on belief. And yet, I run into these ideas that behavior must come first. When behavior comes first, then there's sort of, by the time you belong, you sort of think to yourself, um, you've earned your belonging. And I run into that all the time. I hear people um, talking about feeling unworthy and expecting to be judged. And so I've heard people say, well, I got divorced, so I stopped going to church. Or I don't know the Bible well, so I don't go to Bible study. Or I don't make it to church often, so I'm ashamed, so I just stop going. Or my kids are noisy, so I stay away. Or I didn't go to college. Or I don't read well. Or I'm struggling financially. Or I'm single. Or I don't have the right clothes. Or those other ways people have been told that they don't belong. Like, I'm LGBTQ. Or I'm not white or I don't speak English well. And even those of us who belong, who embrace this, you know, who embrace this idea that we start with just hunger for Christ, we can carry these assumptions too, these expectations. And, and we can assume that everyone who walks through that door, reads well, is financially stable, is like-minded, and pretty much has their life together. And none of that has anything to do with Christ. We're here because we're hungry for Christ. That's where we start. All of that other stuff, that's our culture's definition of good person. Now, the truth is, following Christ is going to align us with God, and that's going to look an awful lot like a good person. But that's not why we're here. We are not here a community of like-minded good people. We are here hungry for Christ. We are a community of Christ followers. And as so faithful people, we look back to the early church about how God called people into faith and about how God did it through community. Fellowship, community, was one of the markers of the church. And there are some challenges when you start with belonging, when you start with community. Back when we started with you had to behave a certain way and then believe a certain way and then you belonged, that meant being inclusive was, you know, you, it wasn't people all that different because all, we'd already weeded everybody else out. So we were inclusive with people who were pretty a lot like us. When we start with belonging, inclusive means something a whole lot bigger about people who act differently and think differently and come from different places. When we start with belonging, it means we have to grow <laughs> in acceptance. 
We have to grow beyond our preference. We have to accept things that aren't super comfortable, get outside of our own comfort zone. And if we've forgotten how difficult that is, remember when we had to wear masks and how difficult that was for many of us. But as faithful people, we are called to value community, value togetherness with each other over preference. And it's worth it. It was worth it in the early church, and it still is. I can see our church leaning into that, going into that new way of being church. Visitors tell me all the time how welcome they feel and how this feels like such a warm congregation. We do such a good job of naming our interest in others and welcoming people into this work that God is doing through our church. In leadership development, one of the things I've been taught is leaders, uh, one of the primary roles of a leader is in um, shaping groups, taking groups from new, uh, loose, you know, uh, groups, growing together in cohesion till you have a high-functioning group that has a strong sense of belonging. And one of the markers of a high-functioning group is it welcomes new people easily. It brings in new people easily. I've been asking people, how do you know that you belong? When you're somewhere and you feel like you belong, how do you know? And so uh, one person said to me, it's when uh, someone comes up to you and says, hey, there you are, and it's not a cop. <laughs> Different context. <laughs> or when people, feel, folks have said, when people know my name. Or when people have said, when I feel safe to make a mistake, that I am more valued than my performance. Or when people say, when I feel invited but not pushed. A child of mine, who was asked to remain nameless, said to me a little bit ago, you know, I don't believe in God, but the community at church is just wonderful. They said they don't believe in God. God believes in them. And the community is wonderful. I said, so you feel seen in this church. Oh, yeah. You feel like you belong. Oh, yeah. Those holy words, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. We are created for connection, and we belong together. We belong together. Those in this church, those who call this church home, those who gather around the fellowship table after worship, we belong together. Some of us have found that deep sense of belonging in small groups, where we spend time together, getting to know each other until that deep trust develops. And if you are not part of a small group and you would like to, let me know and I'll hook you up. We belong together. Some have found that sense of belonging at Messy Church, where we play and learn and grow in discipleship together because we belong together. We belong together. But what about the folks in our community who are not part of a church? Those folks in CUNA, where, 
Where in Cuna do people go to just hang out, to run into people, maybe even to dance? It's hard to name. I don't care where you live in this country. It's hard to name. So then I wondered, this epidemic, is God calling us to serve those needs in the community, to be a place where people feel welcomed and it begins with belonging and nothing else? Merely welcome, merely wandering up and joining a dance on the street. Would you pray with me? Lord God, you created us for connection. You have always called us together and then revealed yourself through each other. Lord, even in church, we are all part of this society suffering from isolation and loneliness. Lord, draw us together. Give us the strength to overcome the hurdles of being community. Give us strong resilience. And Lord, grow our hearts. Grow us in you through community. We pray this in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast is preached almost always by our pastor, Reverend Mia Crossway. CUNA United Methodist Church is a community on a mission to make disciples for the transformation of the world. To support this podcast and the missional priorities of this church, go to cunaumc.org and click on Give. Any amount helps. And if you're kind enough to share your contact information with us, we'll continually send you things.